0: Welcome to the Real Python Podcast. This is episode 120. Is there someone in your life you'd like to inspire to learn Python? Mission Encodable is a website designed to teach people to code, built by two high school students. This week on the show, Anna and Harry Wake talk about their creation and motivating people to start coding. We discuss why they decided to build the site. Initially, Anna and Harry felt the site would be for other students but soon felt it could be helpful for anyone interested in starting to code in Python. We cover the project-based approach and how they implemented the interactive browser-based tool, replit.com. We talk about learning Python in the classroom and how they found additional books and tutorials to supplement their coding education. And we cover how Anna and Harry created a resource hub to help teachers take advantage of the site. This episode is brought to you by CData Software, the easiest way to connect Python with data, SQL access to more than 250 cloud applications and data sources. All right, let's get started. The RealPython podcast is a weekly conversation about using Python in the real world. My name is Christopher Bailey, your host. Each week, we feature interviews with experts in the community and discussions about the topics, articles, and courses found at realpython.com. After the podcast, join us and learn real-world Python skills with a community of experts at realpython.com. Hi, Anna and Harry. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having us. It's really nice to be here. (laughs) Yeah, so you guys reached out. You had reached out to Dan through kind of a couple people at RealPython that you were hoping that people could kind of check out the site that you had created. And Dan kind of passed you to me. And I was like, oh, well, I have a bunch of questions for them. (laughs) So maybe they should come on the show. And so we've kind of been going back and forth about how we can get you on the podcast. Maybe you could talk a little bit about, about yourselves, that you're both young students and where you're from.
1: Uh, So, I'm from London in the UK, and Harry's from Manchester also in the UK, and we're both students in year 10, so we're about 14 and 15. I don't know what it is in the US, but that's what it is here.
0: Okay, so year 10. And Harry, you live outside of London?
2: Yeah, I do. So, I live in Greater Manchester. I go to a comprehensive school where I've been taking computer science recently.
0: Okay, awesome. Awesome. You have created a website called missionencodable.com. Maybe you could tell us a little bit uh, about the site and your goal for it.
2: So Mission Encodable is a website which teaches young people to learn code, basically. So it's aimed at 8-16 year olds, but obviously anyone can access it. And it offers really nice beginner-friendly coding tutorials that are a little bit different because what we do is... We're broken down to levels and at each level, you make two projects. So alongside teaching you all about how to code using Python, we also give you exercises so you can test what you've learned and then we'll show you how to make two really fun, cool games. So we're putting that theory that you're learning into practice and getting you, you know, making projects and games all by yourself.
0: Yeah. Anna, do you have anything to add there?
1: Um, No, but we really hope that it can be used in schools because we think it will be a really helpful resource for teachers and also at home for students who are interested in it. So that's what we hope in the future will happen.
0: Maybe we could talk a little bit about how you came up with the idea for the site. Have you done a project like this before?
1: Um, we've done a few projects before, but none of them have been on this scale, I'd say. But I think we came up with this on holiday in Anglesey in Wales, And we'd been thinking about a new project for a while. And I don't actually remember how we came up for it, but probably we just thought it'd be really nice to create something because we both really like Python and we wanted to share that with others.
0: Nice. You kind of mentioned your goal of directing it toward 8 to 16-year-olds who are interested in learning Python. Are you looking at expanding the site and adding more lessons and, and levels to it?
2: Uh, Yes. So we've got lots more things planned for it. And we're hoping that although like the tutorials might be aimed at people aged 16, it's really great for anyone really looking to get an introduction into Python. And we might expand that in the future so that, you know, everyone can use it and just get a a feel for it and sort of get their first introduction, write their first hello world and get um, hands on with the
0: code.
1: Yeah. And I know that both of our grandparents are doing it. So that's really nice as well.
0: Oh, you got some beta testers, (laughs) or testers, and internally, that's nice. (laughs) What are other places that you've shared it? I I know that you guys actually have been on a couple podcasts already, but what are other ways that you've been sort of promoting it and sharing it?
2: Uh, Yes, we both obviously go to school, and we've got computer science teachers there who teach younger students. So we've told them a little bit about it. So at my school, they're running a coding club with some of the younger people that I go and help out with, And also they've been showing that their other teacher friends across the country. So that's been really nice just to get it used, you know, in a few, few schools to see what people think.
0: What were the podcasts that you were on? So we've been on Craig and
2: Dave, who are two computer science teachers. They've got a really great YouTube channel for anyone studying computer science or interested in it. So we went on their show. That was the first one. Then recently we've been on Learning Dust and House of EdTech. Those are the three that we've been on so far.
1: Yeah, but I don't know if those last two have come out yet.
0: They might come out before this one comes out. So um, it's one of these things during the summer. time. Sometimes we record in in advance. So yeah, so great. Uh, uh, If they are ready, I'll include links for them. And then um, I was going to mention this later, but if people wanted to learn more or follow kind of the updates to Mission Codable, know it's a little twitter link at the very bottom of the page there so people can kind of follow along with updates there
2: great yeah thank you we are at mission Encode code on twitter if anyone would like to follow us and sort of see what we are up to we share lots of updates and resources on there in the future hopefully so
0: yeah yeah give us a follow i liked the types of projects that you had people create in them i did die multiple times playing treasure island um, <laughs> and the guy chose all the wrong answers initially. <laughs> and then, uh, and then the game, uh, you mentioned the, the age thing, the 18, 16 year olds, um, the age game, um, really missed my age by a bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you had kind of neat ways that people could, uh, potentially expand those games, which I, I thought is kind of nice. They're, they're both kind of, or in the cases of almost all the projects, they are good sort of s- launching points that people can kind of look at create something and then potentially share it with somebody else and i also rock paper scissors which is a very popular getting started programming is a good tool and i was wondering um had you heard of the variation for rock paper and scissors
2: Um, i actually haven't no but can you tell us more about that
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's a, there's a variation. I guess it was on Big Bang Theory, but there's a, a Lizard and Spock oh, yes. additions to it. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that's a, another thing that you can look at. One, one of our real Python authors uh, modified our our edition of rock, paper, scissors and added those two hand symbols to it, too. I like that you're teaching modern Python stuff in there, like you're teaching about F-strings and, and other areas of Python. Are there other parts of python that you're you start out initially getting people going with creating strings doing input interacting with the user um, setting up variables and i was wondering like what are other parts of python that you're interested in teaching and and looking at adding in in the future
1: Um, well we're in the process of adding another two levels and i think one of those is on dictionaries mainly and kind of okay The next one is about sort of subroutines and kind of scope. So it gets a little bit more advanced. Yeah. You start to be able to create projects like Hangman and like quiz games and stuff. So that will be really fun.
0: Yeah. Early on, you're also, in order to do one of the games, you're having them import random. And so you're kind of having to teach about modules and those kinds of things. Are these things that you've been learning in your classes? Is Python one of the main classes that you have for computer science?
2: Uh, yeah, so Python's part of both of our We call it GCSE over here in the UK, for those not familiar, which is the, the exams you take at the end of secondary school, essentially, and half of mine is on Python programming, so that includes all kinds of things. I think it goes pretty much up to sort of iteration and for loops and that kind of thing, and that's how advanced it gets. Yeah. So we might be going a little bit beyond that in what we're teaching soon, although, yeah, we've had an introduction at school.
0: Nice. How has the response been to it? I mean, you mentioned that you've shared it with your teachers and you've mentioned it on a few different shows and gotten a little bit of press how has the response been to it for you guys
1: um well i think it's been really positive actually we've had a few people say oh maybe you could include video tutorials or some kind of audio thing which i think probably would be a good idea so we'll think about that and just like little other things we can make to make it better but in general, it's been really nice of people to let us, like you, come on your podcast. And it's been really nice to see that people like it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the things that I found unique about the whole process is that you're using this Replit engine, R-E-P-L-I-T dot com. Is that right? Yeah. And And I find that as a programmer who's been working for a long time in it, kind of nice in the sense that you're teaching a bunch of advanced ideas of having this interactive repl of showing the demonstration people can kind of run the end result so they kind of know what they're getting which is i think important with all sort of coding projects which is great but then they're able to have their own replit account and fork it and basically have their own copy of the code that they can kind of explore and play with which I found kind of unique. Um, how did you guys come up with that? Is that something that you were shown?
1: At my school, at least, is quite common, the forking the rappel and then using your own copy. And normally we do use Replit as well. So that makes sense because it's browser-based as well. So it's very easy to get started. don't know if Harry has anything to add to that. But...
2: Yeah, so I think, well, we've both been introduced to Replit, I think, at school. And we thought we might explore ways we can use it in our website and actually we think it's been really good because often if we made people download their own IDE it would be quite difficult for them because often you either have to pay for it or it's just really difficult to download particularly in the schools so we thought it'd be a lot better to use something browser-based that's obviously free and interactive so it's just a really quick way of getting set up with Python writing some code straight away.
0: Yeah I think that's really a neat way of doing it and it kind of teaches some of these interesting ideas of managing code somewhat. In other projects, like in this case for Mission Encodable, are you using tools like Git or GitHub?
1: Yes, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, we have a big GitHub repository that I think all of our code is on. And my dad keeps giving us lessons about all the good things that we can do with it. Oh,
0: that's nice.
1: So that's been good.
0: I was wondering if that's something that would be taught in a, in a school at that point, um, or is that kind of like maybe a little more advanced kind of stuff that you've been able to kind of find on the side of your education at school?
1: Yeah, that hasn't been taught in my school.
0: No,
2: mine neither, actually. But I think that we thought it'd be really good to use because Alan's dad suggested it. And it's really nice to be able to track change and what's been done. And that seemed like the professional approach. So we've got yeah, a really big GitHub repository, and we use VS Code ourselves to edit that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's a good way for me and Harry to share our code as well, being in different locations, so we can share it and review it and collaborate on it.
0: Yeah, I can can see that in there. CData Software. Connect, integrate, and automate your data from Python or any other application or tool. At CData, we simplify connectivity between all of the applications and data sources that power business making it easier to unlock the value of data. Our SQL-based connectors streamline data access, making it easy to access real-time data from on-premise or cloud databases, SaaS, APIs, NoSQL, and Big Data. Check out cdata.com to learn more. It's a really pretty site. Who's mostly in charge of the design, as are both of you?
1: I would say Harry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's a nice pause there. (laughs) (laughs) yeah I like the I like the color scheme and the design it looks really nice
2: oh thank you yeah so um, Anna's parents if we're going to mention or not own a retail tech startup so they've been really nice because they've showed us their brand guidelines so that's really helped us get some ideas and inspiration for our website so we know what to do with it and then obviously we both sort of collaborated I've done quite a lot of wireframing in Figma is what I use to sort of design what pages are going to look like and then we both sort of share building them so Yeah. yeah it's been really nice to hear that I'm glad
0: that you like the look of it. Yeah. Uh, what are you using? A different framework for tying all the web elements together is that in Python also?
1: Well, we use a JavaScript framework called React to make the website, and that has CSS as well. Okay, but it's not with Python, no.
0: Okay, and then are you hosting the majority of the web? Stuff is not using something like a Flask or Django or some of these other libraries you might have heard of. It's, it's, in this case, React, you said? Yeah. Okay, great. Is that something that, again, you kind of have done on the side to kind of learn more about? And Yeah. I don't know what, what your experience is of, of trying to learn JavaScript versus uh, learning Python.
1: Well, I think we both went through a big Udemy course. Oh, okay. I'm not sure that we've quite finished it. <laughs> but um, yeah, that took us a really long time.
2: Yeah, it did take a long time. Yeah, because I think when we first started making our website, I think it was Anne's dad that said, well, maybe you want to use React for it. But none of us really knew all that much about React. So yeah. we had to teach ourselves. And We bought this enormous Udemy course, which is a website where you can learn all kind of, kinds of things for these like video tutorials. And I think... I don't know, it's like 36% of the way through we are now, so,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I think the results are, uh, are good. You're you're definitely getting what you need out of it at this point, so that's great. That brings me to a couple questions more about yourselves in, in learning programming. And um, you already kind of mentioned that part of your school and the level exams have python in them are are they teaching you other languages or did they start with python for any kind of cs stuff
1: at my school it's python at gcse and then at a level you start to do more kind of functional programming so languages like haskell um but at gcse just python i think
0: okay
2: yeah, so I'm also doing Python. So I think the example that I'm taking it with basically decided that everyone doing it is going to learn Python, so that's at Excel. And then 50% of our exam is on-screen programming using it. So I think it does vary, but Python is the main one that's used, certainly in my area at least. So yeah, it's quite popular.
0: Okay. I guess this is kind of you know related question as far as schooling. How much of your schooling has been remote over the last couple of years?
1: Um... um we haven't had any this year. There was, I think, the last time scores was remote was kind of January twenty twenty. Okay. Um, but that was it. I think
2: maybe okay. I meant twenty twenty one. There, I think.
1: Oh uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I did. Because
2: so, yeah. <laughs> that would be before <laughs> <it's okay>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the first lockdown I think was sometime like March. April 2020, was it? And that's when we first went remote. We were remote for a large chunk of 2020. 2021, it was kind of on and off, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. And then...
1: But I think the only time for us it was remote was kind of winter.
2: Yeah. And then we've been in school the last year or so-ish now. So that's been a lot nicer, I
0: think. Yeah. In some ways, working with a computer and and being remote, did that change your ability to learn in some ways and and change the way that you kind of were able to learn about programming like i would think instead of being you know in a classroom and necessarily book-based that somebody who's interested in this stuff and, and interested in computer science could kind of explore some more things like that or did it change your learning in other ways
2: I'd say, yeah, it definitely changed the way that we learned because beforehand, I'm not sure if i have been of open to just teaching myself stuff, but because we were quite independent during it, obviously, like we'd be told what to do sometimes, but we got very used to the concept of teaching ourselves things just online. And from that, that's what made me want to start learning programming more and teaching myself a lot of stuff without always being told exactly what to do. So it made me quite independent, I'd say, and it sort of introduced me to the world of learning remotely and independently.
0: Yeah, you already mentioned the Udemy course and and some of these other things that you were able to find. What was your experience, Anna?
1: Um, Yeah, similar to Harry, I think in those years, for me, it was kind of year eight and nine. So I don't know if that's just something that my school does, but that was really the year that learning Python really picked up. So we started to do a lot of kind of online learning of Python and a lot of repl.it. And also, we had a lot more time on our hands. So yeah. at the end of the day, there was like lots of time to do programming if that's what you wanted to do, which is, I think, what I did want to do. So I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. One of the things that I've thought about and had discussions with uh, Al Swigert, who was on the show a, a couple times, was the there are a lot of assumptions that people have about kids learning programming. And I thought this would be a, a good idea. Opportunity for me to kind of bounce some of them off of you. You are not representative of the whole. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying that, but at least I can kind of get an idea of what your thoughts are. And one of the things that came up when I went to PyCon this year, I went to a the education summit that Sean and Kelly from Teaching Python had. And they were talking in their presentation how there's these kind of they call them myths, these myths that can kind of be busted or kind of looked at, again, maybe about students, what they're interested in and how they learn new concepts, especially computer science. And the first one that they wanted to bring out was that there's a myth out there that, oh, all young students like games, and programming that teaches games is going to always be interesting to them. And I know in your example that you have created lots of these kind of smaller games, like the Mad Libs type of game or Rock, Paper, Scissors and things like that. But there's also games as far as the ones that are more graphical, things that would use a a library like Pygame. What has your experience been with that? Is that something that interests you, like learning more about constructing, you know, quote unquote, video games?
2: I would certainly agree that not everyone does want to make video games. So I did enjoy playing computer games like Minecraft as I grew up. But I think that not everyone does. And you don't necessarily have to make games to learn Python. So there's no one correct way of doing it. And some of the projects, if you look at our website... They won't just be games. There'll be lots of other things in there as well. Like we've got some modules coming about. We're thinking potentially sort of looking at data and stuff using the Pandas library. So there's all kinds of things that you can do that aren't just creating computer games. And I think that not everyone does want to make them, which is totally fair enough.
1: Yeah. I agree with Harry because I do know that not everyone does want to create computer games. But I think they are a good way to introduce it because I I think that while not everyone does, then quite a lot of people do, because like Harry said, lots of people are playing Minecraft and Roblox and whatever as they grow up. So it kind of makes it more relatable to what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Have you ever looked at, there are popular Python libraries for doing things inside of Minecraft? Is that something you've ever explored?
1: No, but that does sound cool. And I know that my dad like that. <laughs>
0: Okay, yeah, the guy I mentioned, Al Swigert, has a book on it, so <laughs> maybe I'll refer you to it. But yeah, I was wondering about that, and then the types of games that you've created here that are kind of more like you know picking and choosing and very sort of text based, like the text based adventure of the little treasure island kind of thing that you're building. Do you do you think those are more acceptable in that sense that it's not not being a purely a video game it's like you're kind of learning the the interactions with the language do you, do you find students are interested in those types of interactions in those types of games
2: yeah i'd say so because they're not exactly sort of really complex video games but i think what makes them fascinating is that you're able to make them yourself using what you've learned really quickly and it's sort of there to reinforce the concept so just if you've just as you've learned something, you'll be able to sort of make a little game, and then it's really fun to play. Even though it's simple, I think people do enjoy sharing with their friends. It doesn't have a load of rules or any complicated controls to learn. It's just like typing things in and getting a funny response, so people can quite enjoy. It, I think.
0: Yeah, that's kind of been my experience with it too. Like the idea that you're you're able to interact with your programming as opposed to maybe it's simply just running a script, you know, straight through. You're kind of seeing this back and forth, and kind of seeing the flow of how your program operates which i think is really great initially and that kind of brings me to the idea of of projects and it seems that you know almost every one of your levels you are creating at least one if not two like i guess one you kind of consider them like a bonus project in some cases as you're working is that something that that you feel really strong about or has been shared with you, this idea of creating finished things as you're learning programming, like creating projects. Is that something that's been reinforced to you? Or
1: I think it's quite important to um, have like projects along the way because it also makes you a bit more confident. And like Harry said a few times, I think it kind of reinforces what you've been learning as you go along. So if you miss something, you know where you need to go back and catch up. And I quite like making projects as I go along, just to check I know what I'm doing, and also because you can apply your knowledge and um, then kind of just make something nice that other people can have a go at.
0: Have you created other projects? I mean, obviously, Mission Encodable is quite the project <laughs> that you, you've created and put into the world, but are there other Python projects that you've you've done?
1: Yeah, there are, there are quite a few. It's not really a gaming one, but I make some sometimes for chemistry at school we've been doing some calculations so I might make one that does that which is quite fun
0: nice save you some effort
1: (laughs) yeah exactly I don't know if Harry would like to talk about any of this
0: yeah I have made a few so
2: recently I made I've been learning a little bit about sort of apis and web scraping and that kind of thing. So recently I think I followed this course that helps you make one where it would basically it would send you a message a text message if the International Space Station was above you and it was night so you'd be able to look out and see it and so I still need to run that project and see if I can spot it although I thought that was really really cool. so that's kind of thing that I really like making.
0: Another area that is common that I hear as an entry point to get people interested in programming is physical like electronics that are programmable? Is that something? I know that there were programs a few years ago, like the BBC Microbit um, were shared in the UK. Um, Is that something that that you have experience with or or, or are you interested in uh, microelectronics and programming them?
1: Uh, I personally don't have any experience with that. I don't think, except maybe with a Raspberry Pi once or twice at school. but um, I would really like to give it a go
2: yeah i'd say the same i think i haven't really had opportunities to use it that much because i think it does require buying more stuff basically although i'd quite like to give it a go and i've used i think a bbc micro a bit before like you mentioned and sort of made the little display light up and i think that's really cool so i think physical computing is really quite fascinating to sort of introduce people and if you can see a result they can actually like touch then That's also mm-hmm. just adds another element that makes it seem a lot more real so yeah i'm totally for it
0: yeah are there different like techniques or approaches to learning that have really worked for you? Like we've mentioned, Replit a couple times. Are there other types of? I, I've mentioned a couple now. The idea of creating projects, the idea of you know electronics. Are there other things that have been shared with you through your education that kind of clicked and was like, oh, I think this is a great way to kind of approach programming
2: i find often when it comes to projects in particular it's really good to figure out something that you would like to make personally so i know often you do end up getting into the danger that you choose a project that's just too big and you won't be able to finish it (laughs) yeah (laughs) although if you come up with something that is reasonable then often you'll learn a lot more because it will be really relevant to you so you'll be passionate about what you're doing and also you'll have an end goal in mind so you'll need to learn certain things along the way But just that experience of making something yourself that's come from an idea you've had, I think is really invaluable. So that's what I really like doing if I'm learning something new. Nice.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think at school especially, we're quite encouraged to kind of come up with ideas for projects and then execute them. Uh, So they might have requirements so that we make sure that we're actually learning stuff. But that's really good because often also there's an element of teamwork if we're partnered up. I think that's really good.
0: This week, I wanna shine a spotlight on another RealPython video course. And it's about a course I mentioned during our conversation this week. It's titled Rock, Paper, Scissors with Python, a command line game. The course is based on a RealPython step-by-step project by Chris Wilkerson. And in the video course, my frequent co-host Christopher Trudeau shows you how to code your own rock, paper, scissors game, how to take user input how to repeat several games in a row using a while loop and then how to clean up your code using enum objects and functions how to define more complex rules using a dictionary and how to make an advanced version of the project that helps to avoid the common issue of repeated tie games this is a quick course to get you up and running but also has multiple suggestions on how to enhance the game where you'll practice iterating your code and refactoring. And like all the video courses on RealPython, the course is broken into easily consumable sections. Plus you get additional resources and code examples for the techniques shown. All of our course lessons have a transcript, including closed captions. Check out the video course. You can find a link in the show notes, or you can find it using the enhanced search tool on realpython.com. I guess one of the things that you already kind of mentioned are areas that you would like to explore further with mission encodable and kind of more advanced stuff. And I won't have you spoil all your advanced things that you're thinking about adding to the site. Um, Cause I'm excited to see what you create, but generally are there other areas of Python that you find interesting or one of the, the last uh, something in level three, I think is where you're doing some stuff with random and you mentioned some higher order of mathematics, kind of where this uh, random came from. And so I went down a little rabbit hole, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> and learned a little bit about that. Is that something that you're interested in and in exploring mathematics uh, or you mentioned chemistry? Uh, Harry, you already had mentioned doing a little bit with data stuff. Um, are there, what are some other areas you're interested in in learning in offshoots of Python or places you think you could use it?
1: So I am on code was quite a lot. And there was this problem that came up about um, making as many permutations of a string as possible. And that kind of led me down the rabbit hole of like, I think it's called recursive programs. Yeah. Well, I'd really like to find out about that. And also there was a kind of connect for like machine learning program that I quite like to give a go at um, and see if I can understand it, because I think that would be very cool.
0: Nice. Uh, I, I mentioned him a couple of times because he's been on a few times, but Al Swagger is, uh, hoping to come, I'm hoping to have him on this week. T- he's got a new book about recursion, um, that's going to be going into algorithms and all that sort of stuff. And he often puts the, you know, you can buy the physical book, but he also has the, has an online version of it. Yeah. And so when that comes up, I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm hoping to interview him maybe Friday. <laughs>
2: so. Yeah, I think we're both slightly familiar with our stuff, aren't we? Because I think we've read a book yeah. or two from him before. We think they're really cool. So,
0: yeah. Mm. The automate, the boring stuff is one That's of them. And the then uh, he's got the, the games one. Yeah. And then small projects.
1: Yeah, I can see on my shelf, invent your own computer games with Python. So, yeah. Ah,
0: there you go. All right. We've both got ours. I can see that as
1: well. <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh.
0: laughs> All right. Well, he's working on a recursion book. He's been working on it all, uh, I don't know, for quite a while now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I look forward cool. cool to seeing it. Yeah, it would be great. Yeah. So what, are, what are areas that you're interested in learning um, in, in expo- or exploring Harry?
2: Yeah, so I think, like Alan mentioned, machine learning is something that I would be really interested to learn more about. And I don't know that much about it, so I can't talk in depth what I'd like to do. Although... I have seen little bits of it, and I think it's really, really cool. So that's what I'm looking to get into soon, hopefully. And I'll try and start teaching myself some of that, maybe in the coming weeks, if I can get around to it.
0: Yeah, cool. I um, It's something that I would like to learn more about and then have somebody that I can ask questions uh, about it. Very often, when guests come on to talk about their machine learning or AI-driven companies, it's more about like the company and maybe the story behind it and not so much about like learning how to do it (laughs) or giving me projects and steps and so forth. And that's really where I want to focus on it. And so I have a new uh, guest host, uh, Jody virtuals. I'm I'm hoping to have her help me kind of uh, be my entry point and the person that I can ask all these questions. of. (laughs) So uh, yeah, stay tuned. I hope to have more information on that stuff and projects to share for you on the site. You have at the very bottom of the welcome page, you have start your journey and you have kind of two paths that someone can kind of approach it. I've only explored it from the, I'm a learner side, but you have another side on there that says I'm a teacher. So if a teacher is interested in using this as a resource, and you've mentioned that you've done that with a few of the teachers that you know, how's that work? And when somebody goes in there, how's the site work for them?
1: So mainly, That kind of route leads you to a resources page that has things like a launch presentation that you can use on the first lesson that you might introduce Mission Encodable to your students. So we hope that's helpful. And other things like posters to put around your school or like a note-taking template. Um, But we're hoping to, we're actually in the process of writing a kind of book that will help teachers to get set up with mission encodable and all the kind of tips that harry has from leading his coding club
0: oh cool Um, we haven't even mentioned that what's your coding club
2: Oh yeah, so recently what we started doing at school, which one of my teachers suggested, is one. So some of the younger students who are in year seven and eight, so they're aged, I think that would be eleven and twelve, maybe eleven to thirteen, come every other week and they do a little bit of mission in and I sort of bob around helping them with little bits of it, and that's really nice. I think for them because they're getting an introduction to coding, but also for me to see, you know, what people are struggling with, what the challenges they face are, and what they're really enjoying, so that I know what we can improve on mission encodable so what they do is they'll log on and they'll you know keep on going to the level they'll sign into replet which normally takes a little while and yeah we learn a little bit about you know what they're interested in doing and i'll speak to them and sort of see what their interests are so that's something that's been really enjoyable for me recently
0: i think that's a fantastic approach it's one way that uh, i was doing in-person teaching and training and that would be always something that I would do with them first if they're learning, maybe at the time I was working for Apple. And so I'd be okay, use your brand new computer. And I'd watch them just use it in front of me. And right away you'd notice like 12 things that are like, Oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta get rid of all these pain points (laughs) pretty quickly. So I could kind of see the same thing that as you watch someone else approach your site and the resources you have there that you could learn very quickly. Oh, okay, that wasn't obvious, Um, (laughs) or what have you. So what are some of the things that you've changed because of that? Certainly quite a few things. So with projects, some of the uh, instructions
2: had to be clarified a little bit. Another thing that I noticed, because we've got this thing that lets us watch what people are doing on our website, basically. and, um, And what I noticed is that people would always skip past this page about that we need to actually take out about what Python is, because you get on level one and it goes, what is Python? And on the off analytics thing, you'd see people just click straight past it. And we'd be like, what are they doing? Is there some kind of glitch? Like, why are they not reading it? And then you see at the code, club, they get on that page and be just like, nope, not reading that. And they click straight off it again. So <laughs> it's things like that, which you don't always realize. You gain really valuable experience, actually watching real users. So I think that's something that's yeah. been a really big benefit. Interesting.
0: Yeah, you have, I I noticed it on the Twitter stream, actually, the you have a, I'm guessing it's like a PDF with tips and techniques, or I'm trying to remember what, what you guys had called it. And I was wondering, like, is that resource, is that something you get as you start?
1: So I think you're talking about the Python, like, syntax cheat sheet kind of book. Yeah, the
0: cheat sheet, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And you can download that at whatever point you are. Um, I think it's on our resources page if anyone would like to download it. So it's got all the stuff from, I think, levels one to three and then a bit extra to make sure that everyone knows what they're doing if they need any specific advice.
0: Yeah, cool. When I kind of mentioned Al's name that you mentioned several other books that he was involved in, but are there books that you've learned or other resources that you've Learned Python from that you found useful?
2: So, yeah, there's certain other Udemy courses that we've enjoyed doing. There's a really great one, um I think, by Angela Yu. That one's really great. It's like the 100 Days of Code. So, that's a good challenge. And uh, I think maybe what I learned, especially from books, is that I just don't learn especially well from reading things. I have to see them actually demonstrated. So, I find that interactive tutorials uh, work a lot better for me. And I think it depends on what kind of learner you are. But for me, books maybe aren't the way to go, I don't think. So it's on, online courses and things what I've enjoyed going through. And I've seen some really important.
0: Okay. So video, video has been a good tool for you. That's great. Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. I agree with Harry. I think video is good for me, but also I have found sites like Code Wars, I think I mentioned, and Harry sometimes on that as well. Yeah. So it's quite good if you're trying out a problem and you think, I have no clue how to do this. Then you can go away and learn a bit about it and then come back and give it a go.
0: Yeah, so Code Wars is, uh, they provide like challenges that you have to kind of complete as you go. Yeah. Have you done the advent of code? Have you heard of that one? It's like every holiday.
1: I think I've heard of it, but I haven't done it. Mm-hmm.
0: Have you done it, Harry? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's similar. I've definitely seen that one come up before,
2: but I haven't actually tried it. But I think that'd be a good one to see, actually, because it looks really interesting when I saw it. So maybe I'll have to give it a go and let you know I get on.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Keep keep you very busy all of December. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, that's great. Every week I like to ask my guests these weekly questions. And so, Harry, I don't know if you want to go first, but what's something that you're excited about in the world of Python?
2: In the world of Python, I think, Especially what I'm seeing is machine learning is what's really growing. And I've seen some really, really cool projects made with that. So that is something that I would love to learn more about, as I think I mentioned before. So that is, yeah, what I'd love to learn. <laughs> Said that. Okay. Yeah. That's
1: great. Yeah, I think similar to Harry, it'd be really interesting to have a more of a look at machine learning and kind of data analysis, um, which I think at school we'll look at more as we get older. You know.
0: Is there a particular... Field of study connected to that that interests you?
1: I don't know enough about it.
0: <laughs> there's uh stuff that's kind of more about language, like natural language processing, or there's more mathematical stuff, or chemistry stuff, or things like that.
1: I think it would be interesting to do something kind of more sciencey, like something to do with chemistry or biology, because I find that quite interesting. So,
0: okay, tying it in there—that would be cute. nice. And Harry, what do you want to learn next? And this does not have to be Python or programming specific. It could be whatever. Um, quite a lot of revisions to do for school at the moment as well. So we've got
2: GCSEs coming up next year. So I'm kind of arbitrarily learning rather a lot about subjects that I didn't and Maybe I wouldn't choose to study otherwise, but I've been quite enjoying them. So all kinds of ones like, yeah, traditional maths and English and geography, all that kind of thing. I've been studying recently quite a lot too.
0: Nice. What do you want to learn next, Tana?
1: Well, I would quite like to really properly understand object-oriented programming because I have like a a rudimentary knowledge, but I could not explain it. So I really need to do that. And also me and my dad were going to create a program in Python, I think, that kind of simulated stuff like the motion of particles. Okay. So I think that would be really exciting.
0: Oh yeah, those sound fun. I feel like gaming, uh, some of these gaming engines, I don't know if you heard of the one called Arcade. It's a Python library, but it has a, a lot of physics kind of stuff built into it that you could kind of use to sort of simulate levels of gravity and things like that. I don't know if that would be of interest, but maybe that's something you could kind of get into. So I already mentioned it before that people can learn more about the website through your Twitter account. So we'll We'll include a link for that. And otherwise, people can check out Mission Encodable at just missionencodable.com. Are there any other ways that people can keep going with what you guys are doing, follow up on it?
2: Yeah, I think the main way is to have a look at our website. So that's missionencodable.com, which I'm sure you'll link somewhere. And um, if you'd like to get in touch with us and sort of talk a a little bit about what we're doing and sort of give us any suggestions or feedback you might have, then our email address is info at missionencodable.com. Or, oh, yeah, on Twitter we are at Mission in Code, So you can follow us there too.
0: All right. Well, I really want to thank both of you for coming on the show. And it's been fun to talk to you. And I'm excited to share this project with my audience.
1: Thank you very much for having us.
0: <laughs> thank you. Don't forget, you can get simple cloud data connectivity to SaaS, big data, and NoSQL from Pandas, SQL Alchemy, Dash and pedal. Learn more at cdata.com. I want to thank Anna and Harry Wig for coming on the show this week. And I want to thank you for listening to the Real Python podcast. Make sure that you click that follow button in your podcast player. And if you see a subscribe button somewhere, remember that the Real Python podcast is free. If you like the show, please leave us a review. You can find show notes with links to all the topics we spoke about inside your podcast player or at realpython.com podcast. And while you're there, you can leave us a question or a topic idea. I've been your host, Christopher Bailey, and I look forward to talking to you soon.